to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. It's great to see each of you here today. Our scripture passage comes from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It is the lectionary reading for the day. If you don't know the lectionary, it's just a set of readings that is shared by numerous denominations. So may we hear the words of the gospel together this morning. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. So this month, we've been looking at the concept of stewardship through the idea of being stronger, having stronger faith, stronger family, and stronger finances. And I can really think of no better way to wrap up a month on stewardship than with this passage. Jesus was asked the greatest commandment in the law, and he responded by giving two, and both of these commandments are all about doing one thing. They are about love. Both of the commandments are about showing our love, our love for God, and the love for our neighbors. So in light of that, I have a few thoughts on love. First, men, never laugh at your wife's choices because you're one of them. Now, just so you know, in my house, I like to show my wife who's the boss by holding up a mirror for her to look into. (laughs) Women, that was your chance. You know, amen is an appropriate response. There you go. (laughs) Now, here's here's the best one, and Kyle will appreciate this, and Marie's going to groan. Ready? My wife is like a soccer player because she's a keeper. There we go. (laughs) Every week, Kyle and I like to see who can give the best dad jokes in the office, and um, it causes great grief and suffering to the staff. (laughs) You know, those, those were silly thoughts, and those thoughts on love, they really only focused on one kind of love. And that's really the thing, though, that we have to watch out for. When we start saying, love God and love your neighbor, that's true. That, that is what we're supposed to do. And that's what Jesus said sums up the whole ball of wax. But the problem is that there are vastly different ideas of what love is. There are different types of love, different expressions of love, different ways we communicate and understand love. And even within those different definitions, there are different ideas 
on how that works, on what it means to love. But if we're going to understand Jesus's command here, love God and love neighbor, I think we have to look at love as a concept in relationship to our faith. So just briefly, if you boil our faith down, it is all about love. It really is. Because as we see in 1 John, God is the embodiment of love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then God's actions towards us are always in they stem from and they flow through God's love. John 3:16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Hebrews 12, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his child. God's actions towards us are love. God is the embodiment of love. And then later on in his writings, Paul sums it all up by writing this in Romans, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other, other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So again, our faith who we are as Christians is really all about love. To be a Christian, all you really need is love. But as I said, there are different understandings. There are different expressions of love. So we need to flesh this out a little bit. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. I say, okay, what does that look like? How do we live that out? Well, we, we need to go back to the Old Testament law for just a moment. Jesus is asked by a teacher of the law, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 and Leviticus 19, 18. But before those, before Deuteronomy, before Leviticus, the people, the people Israel, the people of God, they're given the law. Moses comes down from the mountain and he has the law. And listen to how the law starts. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's so important to understand God is not on a massive ego trip here saying, well, I'm God. And if you look at anyone else, I'm just going to get really, really mad. What God is saying here is you need to understand there is only one God. There is only one way for you and the rest of humanity to experience salvation and the fullness of life that I have for you. And the only way for that to happen is to let me be your God. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. So you have to let this happen. And then God says, and don't forget, just in case you were wondering, I've already shown you how much I care for you. I brought you out of Egypt. I made sure you've arrived safely. So from the beginning, God says, I love you. I want to be your God. I've already shown you in my actions that you can trust me. So now here's the law. Now here's the way that you can live as my people. Here's the way you can let me as your God love 
you. Friends, it's, it's not a superior mor- morality that defines Christianity. It's the actions of a loving God towards us and our response in love. It's not that we have the best code of ethics. It's that we have a loving God guiding and directing us and speaking into our life. And because of that, we have the ability to respond in turn. Being a Christian from the beginning was always about love. So for us today, how does that look? I think there's a few ways. A few ways we can be sure we are expressing our love to God and we are following the words of Jesus that we heard in Matthew's gospel. First way we can do this is through worship. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word, avad. And avad is the Hebrew word that's translated into English as the word worship. This word literally means to serve. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word for worship is the word proskuneo. And proskuneo means to kneel or to bow and to kiss the master's hand. So what are we seeing as the common thread here? Between the Old Testament Hebrew word and the New Testament Greek word, the words used for worship imply action on our part. Worship is not a passive thing. Worship is an active thing. Worship is something we do as well as who we are. It is both an act and a lifestyle. To worship God is the way we can express our love for God most profoundly. Most of us would agree that in order for love to be communicated and to be understood, there's got to be some tangible action. There's got to be something that happens, something that comes from us to the other person. Love must be expressed to be a reality. And it is the same way with God. We worship God to show God our love and to experience God's great love for us. Now, how do we do that? How do we avad or proskuneo? Through right what we're doing right now, we pray, we read and hear the scriptures, we sing, we clap, we stand in awed silence. Whatever ways we connect with God personally and corporately are the ways that we worship, but both are necessary, personal worship and worshiping together. Friends, the call of God comes to us as individuals, but it's always a call into community. Oh, and by the way, that thing we just did a few minutes ago, committing, pledging, saying what we're going to give, that is a profound act of worship. One of the first and most powerful ways we love God is through our worship. Second way we love God is through obedience. Listen to the words of Jesus from John 14. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. 
So right here, did Jesus mean if we are be obedient to him, then we are showing our love for him? Or did Jesus mean if we love him, then we will find the strength to be obedient to him? I think the answer is yes. I, I really think it's both. I really think the more we look at the love of God, the more we experience the love of God, the more we are moved to obedience. And yet the more we are obedient to God, the more we begin to love God. L- listen to how John writes it. John writes, we love God and others because he first loved us. And John goes on to explain that it's not fear of punishment that moves us to obedience because perfect love drives out fear. We don't do what God wants us to do because we're afraid that he'll get us if we don't. And friends, any version of Christianity that is presented that way, you better be obedient because God's going to get you if you don't. I'm afraid isn't capturing the whole truth of the love of God. With our children, we don't want them to be obedient their whole life because they continually fear punishment. We want the relationship to mature, to develop, to grow to a place where it's love and respect and relationship that moves them to obedience, not just fear of punishment. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. We may have... We may have entertained the idea or even began a relationship with God because we were afraid of punishment, but our relationship with God can't stay there. It's not fear that moves us to obedience. It's love. When we see the love of God, when we see how much he has done for us, we are moved in turn to be lovingly obedient to him. The second way we love God is through obedience. The third way we love God, I think, is through loyalty. I lived in Louisiana for 11 years now. There's a, there's a saying that I've come to understand, especially since I've lived here. If you're wearing a tech shirt, you probably went to tech. If you're wearing an LSU shirt, you might have went to LSU or you might have went to Walmart. I wouldn't tell that joke in Baton Rouge. (laughs) Being loyal is not about being around when things are good only. It's about being around no matter what. Being around when things are difficult. That's loyalty. I, 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 I moved to Louisiana from Florida. I did not understand the deep passion and the longevity of the fanhood of the New Orleans Saints. People who had been there since the beginning, people who were there when they wore the bags over their heads, when they called them the ain'ts. When those saints won the Super Bowl a few years ago now, those folks were excited because they were loyal. They had been there the whole time. Loyalty is an important thing. And loyalty is, again, not just being there when it's easy. Loyalty is being there when it's hard. So I think we have to take a good look at our loyalty to God. I think we need to really examine 
our lives and ask ourselves the question, am I loyal to God when it seems to benefit me? And then do I kind of take off when things get hard? Or am I loyal to God no matter what? Listen to the first commandment that God gives after he said, I'm the Lord your God, I led you out of Egypt. Here's the first command, Exodus 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So again, this is not a big ego trip on God's part. This is God saying, look, there are other things out there that will clamor for your attention, your affection, your devotion, your time, your resources, and you can't do that. Now, back then, what was calling to the people, what was tempting them away from God were these other gods, the Baals. They had temples, they had altars, they had idols, they lit candles, they made sacrifices, they did all this stuff. So today, we don't go to pagan temples and light candles and bow down before idols, at least I hope not. But I would say we absolutely are tempted to bow our hearts, to bow our lives, to bow our calendars, and to bow our checkbooks to any other number of things. And you want to know what the biggest God I fear that we are tempted to worship is? The God of ourself. Boy, that's a big one. Because the God of self tells me, you know what? That's your money. You earned it. Don't give it to the church. Go do what you want with it. It's the God of self that tells me, you know what? You don't really feel like going to church today. You should just lay out. You, you, just, just take some time away. It's a God of self that tells me, I know God said you're not to do that, but it looks good. Boy, that fruit sure looks good, and I'll bet it tastes good. I deserve a bite. Those are the gods that tempt us, friends. And God said very clearly, you cannot have other gods and me in your life. We are called to reject anything. We are called to put in its proper place anything that calls us away from our one true God. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 10. These are hard words. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven got to be honest, that's one of the times where I'm sitting here saying, I'm glad I didn't write that. Hard words, but really and truly, if I say I have a relationship with someone and yet I'm ashamed to be seen with them in public, if I say I have a relationship with someone and I do nothing for their good and I don't ever want them around, how much of a relationship at that point do I really have? I think one of the significant ways that we love God, one of the true ways, is through our loyalty. Finally, Jesus gave us two commandments. He said, love God. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. There are some scholars who argue that Jesus said, love God. That's the greatest commandment. And one of the biggest ways you can do that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because we can't see God, because we can't physically touch God, but we can see our neighbors. 
We can touch and provide and give to our neighbors. We can love our neighbors as ourselves. So how do we love our neighbor? John Wesley, the guy that started this whole Methodist thing, he was a fantastic practical theologian. He had this incredible knack for taking really spiritual things and making them easy to live into. John Wesley came up with what he called these three simple rules, the three simple rules to live the Christian life. The first rule was, well, John Wesley said it was attend the ordinances of God, which basically means worship and love God. So that's the first thing you, you love God. You do the things that we just talked about, but then the other two rules are to do good in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, seek to do good. But that goes hand in hand with the third rule, do no harm. The way we love our neighbor is simple. Now, I didn't say it was easy. Simple and easy are not always the same thing. But the way we love our neighbor is simple. I must actively seek to avoid doing harm and to stop any harm that I see. And I must actively seek to do good in every single way that I can. That's what Paul said in Romans. Don't worry about keeping a list. Don't worry about tally marks and checking boxes. If you're loving your neighbor, if you're avoiding doing harm and you're doing good, that means you are living into the fullness of the law. Because if you love your neighbor, again, you're not going to cheat them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to do any other number of things that are harmful. But again, just avoiding harm is not enough. We're called to actively do good. If we want to love God with all we are and we want to love our neighbor as ourself, that requires intentional action on our part. It means we have to do something. Jesus said the two greatest commandments, the two things that sum up the entirety of the God life are loving God and loving neighbor. So being a Christian, being a person of faith in Christ, it is all about love. Love really is all that you need. And the concept of stewardship that we've been looking at all month, that's an issue of love as well. When we realize that God out of love has given us all things, we then in turn lovingly give it back to him. As that song said, the very breath that we are breathing this morning belongs to God. So what else do we have to do with it other than return it to him in praise? To be a good steward, to have stronger faith, stronger family, stronger finances, to be a real and authentic Christian, it's real simple. All you need is love. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we thank you for your great love. Lord, we ask that you would move us from obedience or loyalty or worship out of fear Move us into worshiping you simply because you love us that much and we want to love you in return. 
And God, show us the ways that we can commit ourselves wholly to you, not just with our finances, with our time, with our talents, with all that we are. Let us be wholly yours. And finally, God, give us the grace, give us the courage to step out. Let us first see our neighbor. And when we truly see them, let us love them in the same way that you've loved us. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.